Wow. How do you lose to the Nationals? The series and the game like that yesterday afternoon. That was uh, pretty pathetic from the Milwaukee Brewers. Two errors in the ninth and a blown save by Devin Williams. He's the Brewers not win back-to-back games since the uh, July 19th and 20th. As uh, Hey, they're still only half game out of first place. Rowdy, the end of that game... Yikes. It wasn't even the end of it. It was the middle of it, too. Oh, yeah. I mean, and the four hits. How can the Milwaukee Brewers just, just, you just, lose two out of three just, to the Nationals, one of the bottom five teams in Major League Baseball. It's an absolute can't do. But the worst part about it was in the sixth inning, they had a walk, a single, and then a double by Christian Yelich, which scored one run. And then they had back-to-back-to-back strikeouts and could not put another run across the board when they had second and third with nobody out after already scoring a run. And you couldn't even you couldn't even figure out a way to score one more run? Those absolute stinkers. And then the ninth, which you mentioned. Yeah, Devin Williams, there's an error. Then, you know, he starts giving up some soft contact, which are, you know... Not good. Lucky, kind of those lucky Texas leaguer and Devin hits Williams, that just barely fall in there. And Devin Williams likes to walk the tightrope a little bit from time to time. And then you have another error, and that error was basically just throwing the baseball home. <laughs> so it was so sad. And just think about just think about those two innings when you say Christian Yelich doubles, and now you have. Second and third, nobody out and just scored a run. You have your second, third, and fourth batters in the order coming up. Strikeout, strikeout, strikeout. Yeah. They're supposed to be guys that are supposed to be your your productive hitters, run production. They couldn't do it. Then when you talk about the errors in the ninth, Carlos Santana was brought in and was statistically one of the better first basemen defensively in baseball this year. And he just blew it. Commits an error. You blew he it. Can't, you can't do that. No. And then, Especially against the Nationals when you're in this position. And then at the end of the game, the very last play of the game, Andrew Monasterio having a ground ball hit to him. It's a play he makes. All he has to do is make the throw home, and he can't make the throw home. He so, throws it wide. Like that, just that can't do play... That. You should have had the out at home and potentially the opportunity to turn the double play, throwing the guy out at first base, which at the worst, you no. have one down with the bases loaded or at the best, you have two down with runners on second and third and you still have a lead. Now, with the with this game, the question is, uh, I was in a conversation, a very interesting one, a text message conversation with a, the worst Brewers fan about was that the worst loss of the season? Uh, I said, well, do you remember when they got swept by the lowly Oakland Athletics? How about that? Or when they lost, you know, to the Rockies? I know they did lose to their series, but Rowdy, last night, or yesterday afternoon, I should say, was that the worst loss of the season so far? I mean, just uh, everything you just said and the errors in the ninth, uh, Devin Williams walking that tightrope, you just got done with the trade deadline of you buying and, you know, acquiring guys. And now I know it's one game out of 162, uh, but when you look at it, is is it the worst loss so far of the season? I'd look at that Oakland A's uh, just sweep and be like, that's pretty bad, too. Yeah, but at the time, you got to think about it. it. The Oakland A's sweep was so long ago. There was no <laughs> NL Central race. There was no, no wild card race. Like, yeah, it, technically it was going on, but you're not thinking about it. Yeah, it was a tough loss because... It used to be three o- tough losses. Oakland at the same time was one of the worst teams in baseball. Like, they were the worst team in baseball. Yeah. 
But you look at yesterday. <sighs> you had an opportunity to win a game against a another bottom feeder team in baseball. You had just one more hit than error. <laughs> and yet you still had an opportunity to win the game. And you couldn't find a way to do it. Now I did one find more hit than errors. You brought up the uh Oakland Athletics. Yeah. With today's or I guess with yesterday's loss for the Milwaukee Brewers, they are now two and ten against the Rockies, Athletics, Nationals, and Tigers. And those teams all completely suck butt. Those are all probably about the bottom, I would say, seven or eight teams in baseball. You are combined two and ten against. That's the bottom of the barrel, and you're terrible against them. Let's see here. If I pull up the Major League Baseball standings and see where all these teams are currently sitting, you have the Oakland Athletics as the worst team in baseball. You have the Colorado Rockies currently coming in as the third worst team in baseball. The Washington Nationals, well, they're really at their high water mark here. <laughs> the fourth worst team in baseball. The Tigers, now they're a little bit better than that. They're uh, 12 games under 500, but yeah. still, uh, they are currently, let's see here, one, two, three, Four, they're the sixth worst team in baseball. <laughs> yeah, the Brewers uh, definitely. Well, I want to say they play up and down to their competition, but they didn't play up to their competition because they just went uh, one and five against the Atlanta Braves. Obviously, the best team in baseball, uh, but they didn't bode well against the best team in baseball, and they didn't bode well against the worst teams in baseball. Nelly, that was going on in this Brewers team. Well, pissing me. In. Well, the Atlanta I, hey, the Braves, Reds got hammered yesterday. The so. Atlanta Braves series down in Atlanta, getting swept was not good. They would have beat any other team. But Atlanta is the best team yeah. in baseball. With all the runs they scored in that series, they would have probably beat any other team or at least took the series. Now, at the beginning of the week, remember, we were talking about how the Brewers had a, a date with the Braves again, and then they had the Washington Nationals. Yeah, they have a really easy schedule starting with the Nationals. Yeah, and they needed to get they needed to win the series. They needed to go two out of three. And you, I remember you asking... Who are we going to root for between the Cubs and the Reds? Yeah, you said and a split. A split would be ideal, and then the Brewers take two out of three, right? Yep. So, well, now the Cubs won big again last night. Yeah, sixteen to six, and that's after winning twenty to nine. The Brewers they take on the Pirates tonight. Now, if the Brewers can beat the Pirates and the Reds beat the Cubs tonight. Cubs and Reds will split, split two, two. and technically the Brewers in this four game set would split one and two against the Nats, one and zero oh against the Pirates. And in theory, going into Friday, you will have not lost any ground on the Reds or the Cubs, but you will not have made up any no, ground. You, and that's why you could have pounced. It, it would have been perfect if you would have taken two out of three and then say you win tonight against Pittsburgh and you're sitting there three and one in your last four while yeah. both the Reds and the Cubs go two and two and you gain a game on both of them. But, of course, the Brewers can't find a way to beat the lowly Nationals, and they 
they literally look like a little league team yeah. out there. And here's the other thing, too. I mean, Wade Miley didn't have any rehab starts coming back from injury. 60 pitches, 40 strikes. Uh, you know, short outing for Wade Miley, obviously, but four innings, three hits, one run, two walks, and five strikeouts, including taking out Alex Calder and the fourth with the bases loaded. Wade Miley he's, has he's been, been great. Good. He just needs to stay healthy. He's yeah. had two different IL stints, and that's basically been the story of his career since he uh, refound himself in 2018 with the Brewers. It's He's pretty good when he's there, and he just hasn't been available as much as all the teams that uh, he was on would have liked. Yeah, so, I mean, disapp- very disappointing for the Milwaukee Brewers, especially after, uh, I don't know, would you say, can you say there was excitement over the trade deadline? I guess they bought some, brought some pieces in. I don't know how exciting it was, but... Weirdly enough, I would say I think it was exciting when they were making the deals, as in, like, it goes across your ticker yeah. or you're watching the news or you're on your phone and you're seeing, you're seeing like these different tweets or updates or alerts saying brewers make a trade. I think people were excited then, but then most people, I feel like when they saw who they acquired <laughs> or the lack of name where they maybe didn't know who Mark Canna was, or they didn't know who Andrew Chafin was, or you can go right on down the list were not excited. They were more or less, oh, that guy? Oh, who's this guy? Oh, I wanted insert bigger name here. Oh, that's a guy we traded? I feel like that was the reaction. I, I think you were excited because they didn't sell. Like, they didn't trade away big names. That's yeah, probably why they were excited. That was, that was the part of the excitement where it was like you saw Brewers make trade. Yeah, you they saw did when something. You, when you saw the alert, they were happy, but then when they saw the actual names that they were acquiring, yeah. most people were still like, pfft. That guy? Really? <laughs> That's who we're trading for? That's That was my take on yeah. it. It was better than a, you know, like a selling of Josh Hader, um, I guess. But now this Brewers team, I don't know, it's ebbs and flows of the season, right? You look at, uh, we are winding down. It's August. Before you know it, it's going to be September, or a Craig Timber, as it is called. But let's see here, Roddy. Let's go to uh, let's, let's let's give a little peek here. And I look at 538 in a while. Uh, the Brewers projected at 84 and 78 on the year. Uh, they give them a 55% chance of making the playoffs and a 49% chance of winning the division. And a man can dream a 2% chance of winning the World Series. So basically now it's a coin flip of winning. Oh, let's be honest with ourselves. The way to the playoffs is you have to win the division. Because if you don't win the division, you're probably not going to be getting in the playoffs with a wild card. Well, you I could. Think, it's getting closer. I think the last time I looked at the standings for the wild card, uh, Technically, I think if the playoffs started the day, the Brewers would be in. Yeah, technically, that second spot in the Central is is sneaking in in the very last spot. <laughs> okay, so maybe well, we prefer to win the division, though. Division, you're a hundred percent in that wild yeah. card. That wild card will probably go down to the wire because I don't know. I'm looking at it here, and right now the Giants are leading the first spot of the wild card. They got sixty wins. Uh, the Phillies half a game ahead of the Brewers, and then you have the Brewers and Marlins tied. You also have the Diamondbacks sitting just one game behind the Brewers. Technically, the Cubs are two and a half back from the Brewers. Even the Padres, which, by the way, the Padres did not sell. The, the, The Padres, even after kind of a down season from what they were expecting with all the names that they had acquired in the last calendar year. They went out and bought, even though they were, I believe at the time, three games under 500. Well, if you look since the, uh, since they started making some of those trades, they've now won two straight, just one game under 500 and actually just four back 
And then there's the drop-off. Mets sold. Pirates are the Pirates. Cardinals sold. Nats, Rockies. Yeah. I think everybody behind the Padres are, are not live. It's the Padres and up. All those teams are live, and basically there would be three spots for, if you really think the Padres are in it, seven teams. Yeah. <laughs> all right, Bob. all within four games. So it's it's getting it's not cutting time. And looking at the division, I mean, uh, the Cubbies are sneaking up now, right? I mean, they just hammered the Reds, but Reds are right there in first place. Obviously, they give the Reds their final record seventy nine and eighty three, a twenty five percent chance of making the playoffs, twenty percent chance of winning the division. Uh, they give the Scrubbies where the Cubs at here. Cubs at seventy nine and eighty three, twenty six percent chance of making the playoffs. And 21% chance of winning the division. I said I thought it would take... Oh, by the way, this? Cardinals are back in the basement again. <laughs> I said I thought it would take about 87 wins to win the Central this yeah. year. What, probably was that late June? Yeah. Well, the Cubs currently with 55 wins. They're 55 and 53. They have 54 games left. To get to that 87, they got to win 32 out of their 54 32 that's still, that's, that's still over a 59% that's, win percentage. Now, it's kind of a tough if ask. you remember at the time when we were going through it, where I was saying, well, if you're looking at where these teams are, they would have to win. I think it was the Cardinals had to win like almost 65% of their games. Yeah. Big ask. It was the Pittsburgh Pirates had to win like 63% of their game. And the Chicago Cubs had to win over 61% of their games the rest of the way. Well, the Cubs have been doing that. And they've actually been winning at a, a much higher pace because that has dropped their win percentage down to 59%, which still not out of the realm of possibility, but also that is one hell of a hot second half <laughs> for the Chicago Cubs to keep that up because look how hot they are now. Yeah. They're only two and a half back from the Brewers in the wild card. Yeah. They're only, what was it? Three and a half back in the um, central, but that's with the Reds having fallen off a little bit, the Brewers had fallen off, and the Cubs being red hot. Yeah. Can they can they really keep that pace up? I still better shot now, but still that's a bit in my mind that's a big ask. <laughs> it is a big ask. All right, well, is it so much to ask that the Brewers win a back to back games? We're not or, gonna get one certain today. What if I'm wrong and it and it ends up being the Reds and the Brewers taking nose in nosedive and 87 wins doesn't win the division. What if it is 84? What if the Reds and the Brewers take a nosedive and the Cubs come and sneak in and get it done? If, but, if it's 84 wins and the Cubs only have to win 29 out of their 54, that's only that's less than 54%. That's really doable. When I was leaving work yesterday, was uh, I was listening on the radio and Austin was texting me. It was the same time that Devin Williams, well, there was two errors and then Devin Williams blew the save as well. Uh, Rowdy, you said that is unacceptable, unforgivable. Well, this is the problem. Your bullpen, for the most part, has been pretty solid, especially with the arms that you're working with. And then it feels like in the most inopportune time, Elvis Pagara, you know, blows it in the seventh, or Devin Williams blows it in the ninth. But then when you look even further into yesterday, the fact that you had a walk a single from Joey Weimer and a double from Christian Yelich, which scored a run to start the sixth inning. And you had second and third with nobody out and you went strikeout, strikeout, strikeout. And it's not only back to back to back strikeouts, but it's back to back to back strikeouts from 
I don't know, your two, three, and four hitters. Those are supposed to be some of your best productive hitters. Well, clearly, that was not the case. And you only get one run in that inning, and it's it's two to one. You go to the ninth inning, and the fact that the guy that you traded for, Carlos Santana, the guy that also was one of the three that struck out in the sixth, he's supposed to be defensively this year one of the best first basemen's purely off of analytics, which, I mean, he has been good. Don't get me wrong. I mean, he's been way better than Rowdy Tellers or anything they have. But, of course, again, the most unopportune time he has an error to start off the inning. And then, you know, in Devin Williams' fashion, when if he's not walking someone and they're getting to him, it's like the little, like, bleeder-type dunk in their hits. And then, you know, you have another error and then there's a walk or sorry, then there's a walk and then you have an error and the arrow from uh, error from Andrew Monasterio. That's just a, clearly all he has to do is throw it home and throw it accurately. And he couldn't do that. And if he throws the ball accurately to William Contreras, he catches the ball out front with momentum going towards first base. Watching that definitely an out at home possibly a double play at first base. Now you're just one out away from getting out of it and Devin Williams walking the tightrope, but it just feels like Mm. every time you're in a game where it feels like the Brewers should win or they should hold on, it's something that hasn't happened often this year just falls apart. Whether that be the bullpen that's been good, your closer that's been really good, you know, they've really actually been a pretty good defensive team, and it happens to be one of your better defenders having an error. And then the other thing is Andrew Monasterio. I get it. He's played well. But we're talking about a guy that's in, creeping up into his late 20s that never played Major League Baseball before. It's probably it's a late for, bloomer. It's probably for a reason. He's a quadruple A player. Late bloomer. And when you have to rely on players like that for more than a game or two here and there throughout the season – This is what you get. And we saw it last night. And you know what? The first thing went through my head when I was uh, listening to that end of that game on the way home from work. It's hard to be a Brewers fan sometimes. Uh, The first things that ran through my head was, you know what? Some days, days like this, I wouldn't care if they sold the team and moved because I would rather not have to deal with this excruciating loss. Worst loss of the season? In the moment, it felt like it. Austin, you're a Cubs fan. Well, his, By the way, his team Cubs, scored like your team scored 16, 16 plus to, runs. 16 yeah, and nine? I mean, they've scored 36 runs in the last two games. Yeah, but only uh, if the Reds win today, then the series is two. It's exactly why they have a very good plus minus. Yeah, they're really yeah. padding those stats. They really are. More egregious, the two errors or Devin Williams in the ninth? Oh, the two errors were way bigger because yeah. even with Devin Williams, where he, again, we've known Devin Williams to be a guy that doesn't necessarily perch, uh, pitch perfect innings. He's more of the K-Rod, maybe gets your heart rate up a little bit. But seriously, a little dunk hit, a walk, it was the error at first base that should have been an out. You should have had an, uh, an out at home. He still easily could have gotten out of that mess, even if they just turn a double play or get that out at home. And that's with an error to start. Like, yeah, it wasn't his best outing, but it was far from the worst we've seen. We've seen him walk the bases loaded and then strike out the next three. It's very frustrating yesterday. Uh, should have won that series against the Nationals. The Big Ten Times two? How much longer do we have to call it the Big Ten? Probably it's branded, Probably Rowdy. It's, it's branded as the Big Ten. I think it's I think it's set. <laughs> I don't know if it's going to be changing. Well, how many teams are going to be in the it now? The Big Ten is here? currently like, 16. I would say right now, yeah. 16. The, the SEC is Lizzo. 
It's the big, huge, it's the show, right? Yeah. Everyone thinks SEC is bigger, it's better, it's it's the best conference. Yeah. Right now, the Big Ten are the backup dancers. Still quite large. Just not but, as big. But not as big, and they're not quite to the stardom as the SEC when you look around the country with people saying, but the Big Ten wants to be. Yeah. They want to be there. Yeah. And, and the, the SEC Big Ten makes more money. And the SEC thinks really highly of themselves, much like a Lizzo, and they're talking smack to other conferences, much like the Big Ten. There's only, just no there's just no bananas thrown around here. But, but the teams. Big Ten is just globbing up everything they can eat to get bigger. Yeah. And we could get potentially up to 20 teams here as this Big Ten story is absolutely wild. So the Pac-12, the Pac-12 is making like no money compared to the Big Ten coming up here. And they're like, and these schools are like, um, we want in on the money. Well, there's a reason why USC and UCLA were leaving. I think I was reading, I'll have to find the article. I think I was reading that like Pac-12 schools can make like 20, up to $20 million. And the Big Ten schools are making what, like $50 million? Uh, They will be. Yeah, will be with the new TV rights coming up. Yeah. So the Pac-12 teams are like, we're missing out on potentially 30 more million dollars. What are we going to do here, boys? Well, it looks like we're they're going gonna to be, Apple. <laughs> it looks like the Midwest uh, no longer will be a Big Ten state. I mean, you have USC and UCLA coming in, obviously. So you have that. And now the uh, group of Big Ten presidents have uh, begun exploratory discussions on the expansion in light of the Pac-12 uncertainty. Uh, the focus is on possibly adding Oregon and Washington to move to 18 members or <laughs> Cal and Stanford as well to reach 20. Yeah. What's going on? Well, like last, Oregon and Washington were vetted while USC and UCLA were. So that one's pretty much already approved. This exploratory session is looking to see the viability of whether it should be 18 or 20. And they don't want to do anything until the remaining four corners uh, schools from the Pac-12 decide what to do. So if Pac-12 is going to be falling apart here. Well, if Arizona, Arizona State, and Utah decide to stay based off of whatever media rights deal they heard, that is, hey, we're really hoping people sign up for Apple TV to watch the Pac-12. So guessing they're going to leave. If they stay, it sounds like the upper, the Northwest teams are going to be staying as well. If those three go, then the Big Ten is going to pounce. And then... Washington State and Oregon State are either going to invite Mountain West teams into the Pac-12 or the Pac-12 is going to go away and they're joining the Mountain West. I'm going to assume it's raiding the Mountain West to keep the name of Pac-12. Well, Pac-12 um, dates back to what, the well, 1915 and now yeah. all of a sudden there's some shaky yeah, ground. Like the, the Pac-12 is going to be picked ones. apart. The Pac-8. But what's going to happen to the pack it up and leave the Big Twelve? Because the Big Twelve's losing Texas and Oklahoma, and that obviously that's their two big names. Yep, they're. I feel like this is almost the first conference to crumble. Yeah, like this is the first domino, the first card to fall, and now it's going to be like all the pressure is going to be put on the Big Twelve and see what they do after they lost their two big members, the ACC. Their two biggest members, probably just off the top of my head, like across the country, it's probably Clemson and, and Florida State. And those were already rumored to be. Well, and Florida State's president basically came yeah. out and said, uh, yeah, we're looking to leave. And, yeah, oh yeah. and Clemson was rumored yeah. to also be interested in leaving. And outside of Miami, who else in the ACC is, is really that big of a poll nationally? Duke. 
So in basketball, well, who North, just left? Yeah. The, who's leaving the pack? Colorado's leaving the Pac-12. Yeah, yeah, next season, right? Yeah, yeah, not the upcoming one, the one after, but still. But I feel I, to like to to RJ's point with like these teams leaving. I feel like Pac-12 is first, then it's going to be the Big 12 and the ACC, and then you're going to have like your AAC and your Mountain West trying to claim any little team they can that's out near them and the big the 10 and the sec are going to just be grabbing everyone else it's like yeah. there's like it's like the dennis system then there's the moving after completion the max system and then the ones you just talked about already they're on the frank system yeah, that's the, the scraps there's there's they're, they're in the scraps they're swimming in the wake looking well, for scraps when you look at how it could potentially break down at least the big 10 already kind of has a good marketing like what do they have like right now for the big 10 it's the b the one and the g yeah and it kind of looks like just the b10 like the big 10 big that's all they need to go is just go to the big yeah just yeah. and then still the have big and still have that logo where the 10 is hidden there for like the historic yeah, the nostalgic sake. things yeah so yeah just big. just just the big conference big and then we can make rename the southeastern conference just the South Conference. So, with <laughs> with the, a group of four Big Ten University presidents begin the pl- pl- preliminary, excuse me, process uh, on Wednesday, yesterday, the day prior, Pac-12 commissioner uh, presented a media rights package to his membership that was heavy on games appearing on Apple TV Plus subscription streaming. Service. Do people actually pay for that? I I used the, the free trial I, for a week yeah. and then got rid of it. So last well, season, yeah, you have it, don't you? Uh, for Ted Lasso. Just that final third season, so I'm probably going to drop it yeah. now. Because like well, I've watched other stuff on it, but yeah. well, with that revenue estimates were as low as 20 million per school with this Apple TV Plus subscription. Yeah. Well, it's actually a raise from what they were making, yeah. but definitely low compared to 50 million. Yeah, but, but speak, and Big, like, Ten's, Big Ten gets a minimum of 50 million. Apple TV last season for Major League Baseball. Remember they would always have like was it a Friday or whatever? It was like. Apple TV's game of the week where you could grab it on your phone and yes, watch it for, for free. free. The Brewers were on that uh, two or three times. Yeah, half. I remember the first time this year that they're like, oh, the Brewers are going to be on Apple TV uh, this week or whatever. I was like kind of pumped up. I'm like, oh, I can just sit there wherever on my phone and watch it because right, we don't have Valley. Well, I go to click on it, right? Better pay the piper. Got to have a uh, subscription. Oh, even then, you couldn't watch it if you were here. Yep. I tried doing that, and it said I'm blacked out. So in- you got the same thing as, like, the MLB app where it's like, hey, even if you buy the package for every single game and every single market, because it's your market, you still can't watch yeah, it. Yeah, which made no sense. Well, it was like, uh, well, I have Prime, and if if you have Amazon Prime, you actually get the, you know, the, the streaming service with it. Yeah. Like, the Brewers were on that. I tried to watch it. Like, sorry, you're blacked out in this market. You know what else Prime? sucks? Yeah. Is... You know what else gets blacked out for me? And it's probably for everyone else in the area. The Cubs and the White Sox. Yeah. 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 Which, I mean, Chicago, that's that's still a couple-hour drive, two, three-hour drive. That's still a different state. Yeah. <laughs> and it's still not two teams that I cheer for or anything no, like yeah. that. But if the game is on, like MLB Network or any of those others, like the Brewers, it still gets blacked out. Yeah, it's... <laughs> This the the whole streaming service stuff is a complete slap in the face to every fan and every state. At least like Prime Thursday Night Football does it right. If it's in your market and you don't have Prime, it's going to be on a terrestrial TV station. Yeah, yeah totally, totally. So uh, the Big Ten been reluctant to move the twenty teams, um, but uh, boys, well, they're talking about it now. It's happening. Yeah, it's, it's going to happen. It's going to end up being two conferences. It's going to be a Big Ten for, and the SEC. For all the people who said it's going to be Florida State and Clemson, and then. Oregon and Washington, 
Um, clearly, you don't know the Big Ten motives because everything they've done so far is not necessarily about the athletics. No. What's it, it about, RJ? It's about the TV market. It's about money. You can get Seattle in there. You can get Portland in there. You can get the San Francisco Bay Area. You add three very large metro areas if you add those new four schools. Wait, are you telling me? If you me? add Tallahassee and Clemson, South Carolina, you're adding markets smaller than Madison. But guess what comes in with it? Money. Yeah, but the Wait, other you're telling ones me it, are bringing in more money. Are you telling me it's always been about money? Yep, always yeah, has been. Always has been. Well, I think just geographically, the Big Ten where we're currently sitting, what, you're as far east as New Jersey, New York, yep. with your Maryland and your Rutgers. Obviously, you have the entire Midwest. You kind of have the flyover states now with Nebraska, and you're – expanding to the West Coast like you're talking about with like the LA's potentially or Seattle's but all the way up the West Coast. Yeah. You'll I even think just for the footprint of the SEC. You'll be on every TV in California if you had the other it, two. It makes more sense to me for the SEC to want a Clemson and a Florida State because they're already behind when it comes to national markets that they're going to probably struggle to get into. Mm-hmm. They should just go after the South teams that have a lot of talent and keep branding. We're the best football. We're the best football because they're, you know what I mean? Because they're behind already in the market game. But you also are adding markets. You're already in. Well, here's the thing. So you don't make money. I think Rowdy's saying that just instead of the big 10, just name it the big is great because you're not a Midwest conference (laughs) anymore. You're the entire nation. Hence, they could, big. They could go back to their original name. You're just the big conference because you're the whole In, nation coming the up The Intercollegiate Conference of Faculty Representatives. Authority. You it, need to... RJ, kids it, these days can't even read a sentence, let alone those five words you just had. Ickfer. You just, you, it's got to be big. Because you can't become the Western Conference Ickfer, anymore. What is it? Ickfer? I-C-F-R. Ickfer. Ickfer. Western Conference. It's not, it's not catchy, though. Oh, they could drop back down to the big nine if they wanted to. Big. <laughs> Big for when Michigan. Look at what happened years. when they opened the floodgates to Penn State. I did say this though. Yeah, the Big Ten led the way. RJ and I were talking. About, you might have been in the office too, Rudy, when I, I mentioned this. Once twenty teams do come to the Big Ten, which it will happen, you go back to the Legends and Leaders Division. <laughs> That's how you really get it done. Will Joe Paterno still be? Um, was he the legend or the leader? I'm gonna guess legend. I think he, he was the scumbag. It was. His name was on the coaching award. Was Penn yeah. State legend or leader? I can't remember. Because the Badgers were leaders. They were in the same division. Yeah, so they're leader, though. leaders. Yeah. All right, let's go. So to the- he was the leader. Yeah. That, that yeah. aged well. That's oof. Mm. Yikes. Believe it or not, well, we, on the line, our sports director, Zach Halprin. Good morning, Zach Halprin. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. How are we doing, sir? Fantastic. Zach, you are currently on the road right now, heading down to Platteville, where UW Platteville obviously resides. Where, where exactly are you in your commute to Platteville right now? Well, I just passed Barneveld, because apparently I was pronouncing it incorrectly before. Thank you for that. Um, well, and I said that you did. I mean, you, I, I pronounced Barneveld, and you pronounced it differently. It's irrelevant. Barneveld. Uh, but either way, I'm going. Go ahead. Barneveld. Vild. Like, what is Barneveld? Yeah. Barneveld? Yeah. 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 All right. I just figured that was something. <laughs> yeah. Uh-huh. Yep. I know about you. Um, all right. So going towards Platteville, I'm going to be passing by 
the town that made Evo. And uh, is there a big sign outside here that, that's going to welcome me to, to Dodgeville? Yeah, it's, it literally says welcome to Dodgeville if you go by it. <laughs> welcome to Dodgeville, the home of Evo. Uh, it should say that, but alas, it does not. I don't want to take all the credit. You know, for, for Dodgeville, our DJ or our music trivia guy, Scott Berryman, also from Dodgeville. Okay. Uh, we love Zach. Right. If you do go to Dodgeville, I would highly suggest uh, picking up some donuts at Quality Bakery. Uh, go say hi to Bob at Bob's Bitch and Barbecue. Uh, go to Dino's and tell Dino we said hello. Maybe play some bingo when he gets it back during the wintertime. And I would probably just what? say stay on the highway or go to Pleasant yeah. Ridge Store. Tell Charlie we said hello. What a great place! I was going to say, well, what about the place you made me a reservation at the other day? Oh, sorry. Unfortunately, Don Q in was booked up. Believe it or not, I couldn't. I couldn't. Oh. Yeah, the Caesar's Palace room was uh, unfortunately <laughs> taken. So sorry, Zach. I know you wanted to have all your wildest dreams come true at Don Q Inn. But alas, the fantasy room was uh, they're all booked up, sadly. And I know that you wanted so to I know you I know you wanted to bring your black light uh, and check out all the rooms too, but yeah, sorry, that, that dream has died. Uh, Zach, yep. believe it or not, on Dodgeville, um, there is a song off of the Chronic two thousand one. Uh it's called Forgot About Dre. And in it, yeah. Dr. Dre says and you won't get a crumb from me because I'm from the streets of Compton. His, his initial line was actually, you won't get a crumb from me because I'm from the streets of Dodgeville. But not many people knew where oh. it from. Well, it was where it was, so he had to change it. A little-known fact, that, actually. That, that is a very little-known fact, but I'm glad you got it out to the masses. Yeah, it was an honor of me. He knew I was a big fan. Zach, yeah. I'm a big fan of you and your work, especially when it comes to Wisconsin stuff. How was day numero uno yesterday on the field for the Badgers at uh, Platteville? It's fun to actually be talking football instead of uh, talk, you know, like actual scene football as opposed to who's going to be here and who's going to be there and what's everything like that. So, yeah, it was a good first day in Platteville. Um, got to break out the camera that I took down there. Which, so we got some video of uh, practice number one up on our YouTube. And uh, it was good. It was good. It was good. It's not great video, but it's, it's solid. It's slightly, it's slightly okay video. I'll check it out on the YouTube channel. But, by the way, if people want to check out the YouTube channel, Zach, how do they find it besides going to YouTube? Uh, type in the Camp Podcast. It'll be right there. You'll find it. Beautiful. Zach, I saw um, you know a lot of people very excited about this wide receiving core, uh, and you got a quarterback to do it as well. Uh, break it down for us. Uh, who's turning heads most yesterday uh, for these uh, wide receivers? I know we were talking about, like, who was the talk of the, the town well, yesterday? Well, there was a video that was going viral, and I believe Zach was one of the people that put it out, and it was Will Pauling yeah. putting a double move on a corner in the in the end zone. Yeah, the, that corner, I believe, was Nizier uh, Forkering, who came up from Division Two. He was an All-American Division Two. He got his, he kind of got his welcome to the Big Ten moment, um, and courtesy of Will Pauling. Yeah, it was a ridiculous double move, just in this little goal line drill, and had people uh, hooting and hollering. Um, but so he's but he's a guy that did that in spring, right? Like Will Pauling did that in spring. Saw it almost every day from him. He's going to be a huge part of this offense. But you also have Jim Rehike and Skylar Bell and Keontes Lewis and CJ um, Williams from USC. But the one guy that was not playing during the spring was Bryson Green, a guy that they managed to get from uh, Oklahoma State. It was a big, big get for them. A guy, I think he finished second with Oklahoma State in touchdowns last year. He's a big body that can go up and get passes, uh, 50-50 balls, like in the end zone, did it a ton at Oklahoma State. And he showed up yesterday for the first time in practice. We actually got to see him. And it was worth the wait. I mean, he is, he, he may not, he's not a burner, but he's got, he's a good route runner. He's got great hands. And he's a guy that if you, 
you know, try and push him around, it's not going to happen. He's, he's really, really physical. So it was fun to get to see him for the first time because we've been hearing about him for so long, and now we got to see him and certainly didn't disappoint. So, Zach, also uh, speaking of this offense, uh, I'm very excited about these wide receivers. How was Tanner Mordecai looking? Was, a, was it better than the spring game? Yeah, there were. I mean, there were no, uh, <laughs> there were no interceptions. Yes. It, it, you know, for the for day one, it was what it was. I mean, it, it wasn't overwhelming. It wasn't underwhelming. It was just whelming. And I mean, of the quarterbacks that got a lot of reps, I would say that he looked the best. Um, Landon Lock was a little not Landon Lock. Braden Lock. It was a little off uh, accuracy wise. It felt a little bit rushed at times. So we'll see. Day again. Day one. Is what it is. Day two, we'll see if anything changes. But um, you know, I'm, I, I would hope to see more from the quarterbacks today. I'll say that. All right, so uh, speaking of um, well, something that rose an eyebrow yesterday, and Rowdy, you brought this up right away at the end of the show. What's going on with uh, some of the guys that are no longer on the team on the roster? What were the two names, Cundiff and? Yeah, Clay Cundiff was the big name. That um, what's going on there? He seemed like he could be a real player a couple of years ago. Yeah, and then he broke his leg twice uh, and, and did it in some pretty uh, ugly fashion. He did it against Iowa where the ambulance came out on the field to take that's, him away. And then he good. did it at Ohio State last year. He got it flipped upside down. So he went through he, he went through some stuff uh, the last couple of years. It felt like he was going to be able to get back. I mean, he was here in the spring. I wasn't taking part, but it felt like he was going get, to get, get back. And it just didn't happen. And uh, Jack Eschenbach. Walked last year for senior day and then was a bit of a surprise when he showed up and was back on the roster in the spring. He going to take advantage of his sixth year and um, ended up not doing that. So, yeah, they lose two guys that, I mean, especially Clay Cundiff, I think it was, everyone was interested to see what that was going to look like because he did show some promise when healthy, uh, just wasn't able to stay healthy. And so they lose those two guys, and they are not overly experienced in the tight end room uh, right now. They have uh, essentially Hayden Rucci, who's played, and then you've got Riley Nowakowski, and you've got Jack Pugh, two guys that, you know, I think they're potential, but don't know much about them uh, outside of what we see in practice. And what those three guys you're just talking about, they all got reps at first team, yeah? Yeah, all three of those guys got first team reps yesterday. There's some younger guys, too, that I think people should uh, be excited about. It. Maybe maybe not this year, maybe next year. J.T. Seagree who's out of Monroe, and then Tucker Ashcraft came from uh, the state of Washington. To, to uh, be here, he's a, he's a, and then Angel Toombs is a redshirt, I should say, a true freshman out of Milwaukee, athletically as gifted as anybody on this team. So they, they've got some younger guys. I think they're excited about, but uh, yeah, very little experience there. So Zach, I think we, um, Zach Halpern, our sports director, joining us right now on his way to UW Platteville again for day number two. Is Zach, or is this day three? Day two of practice. Day two of practice. Uh, the first day was just them getting down there. So Zach, when it comes to uh, offense, that's all we've been talking about lately. Uh, Give us a little bit on the defense, though. I mean, who are we looking out for? Who's the guys that's going to maybe break out, uh, have a good campaign this uh, upcoming season, and uh, what can we watch defensively for the Badgers? Yeah, I mean, it's a defense that returns quite a bit from last year outside of the obvious uh, departures of Vince uh, Vince Beagle. I've been doing this all day. Uh, (laughs) Nick Herbig and and, uh, Keanu Benton. So those two guys gone into the NFL, get drafted, and those are their two big-time playmakers, so who, who's going to step up? And I think a guy who's going to break out and have a huge season was their leading tackler last year, but he's got a huge year. Wumachong Meta. We heard we talked to him down at Big Ten Media Days. He, he feels like uh, the next 
big thing at inside linebacker. Yeah. Um, him and Jordan Turner both, and then Jake Cheney. Those three, I would call them all starters at inside linebacker. So those, that would be, that's a position I think is going to be interesting to watch. And then it's who steps up on the outside. Will it be Daryl Peterson? Will it be TJ Bowlers, who is now all of a sudden 270 pounds playing outside linebacker? Mm. And then you've got uh, CJ Getz and Kate Johnson. Like there's, there's a bunch of names. I think that's probably uh, the thing that most stands out. There's a bunch of names at a couple spots that, um, where Wisconsin has been extremely productive under the past, past regime and, whether they'll stay that way under this new one, I, I certainly think they will. I love it, dude. No, I'm very excited for the season to get underway. And also, not to get too far ahead of ourselves, but uh, I want to look into the uh, 2025 now for a little bit. Uh, Rowdy was showing me a uh, – oh, Rowdy, you showed me yesterday from the Wisconsin uh, the Wisconsin social media Yeah, they put here. a little spin on the bat signal. Now all of a sudden it's uh, Luke Fickle talking on the phone, and then he starts tweeting it out. It's actually kind of a little cool spin – but um, cool the video. name is probably going to be familiar with uh, some of the big Badger fans out there. Remington Moss out of Virginia, Zach, 2025. Uh, what can you yeah. tell us about this cat, a three-star, six-foot, 380-pound uh, safety out of Virginia? What are, we, what are we thinking about this guy? Besides, he's, what, a, a cousin? Is he a cousin? Nephew. Nephew? You're taking all the information I was just about to give you there. No, cousin. Uh, yeah, so cousin, of, cousin of Brent Moss. Yeah, cousin of the late Brent Moss and for people that are – of a certain age, they will know that name. Others won't. He is was the uh, offensive MVP in the big, or the uh, offensive player of the year in the conference in the Big Ten in 1993 when Wisconsin went to uh, won the Big Ten and went to the Rose Bowl and won that. He was the MVP of the Rose Bowl too. So it's uh, it is there is a little bit of a family connection. Remington Moss had offers from over 25 programs. He's a three star. I think you could say he, some have him as a corner, some have him as a safety. He's a guy that had offers from Notre Dame and Pittsburgh and Penn State, and so it's a it's a nice early get for Wisconsin, and he fits the, he absolutely fits the mold of what Wisconsin wants in their secondary, especially at corner. You look at all the guys that they brought in at corner; a majority of them are over six feet. That certainly is the case with Remington Moss. They like the the long arms, tall guys are going to be able to redirect people at the line of scrimmage, kind of like I mean they they want us they want Sauce Gardner every time they every time they recruit a kid and they obviously have him at Cincinnati. So uh, it feels like all the guys that they've been recruiting are clones of him and and, uh, Remington Moss is certainly in that camp. Yeah. I don't know. Safety corner, who knows, but all I have been seeing is that he's locked and loaded, ready to go. Locked. Yeah. Gotcha. Look at Rowdy over there. Look at that. Um, So what is that? He's the second one out of 2025. I need to help. Do I need to help everybody with that? Is it Remington? No, uh, I don't think so. We're all pretty smart around here. Okay. Uh, Remington. Okay. Yeah. It's, yeah, yeah. It's a, hey, speaking of locked, Heilprin knows a lot of Remingtons, from football players to firearms to dogs. You stay strapped? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Reming, yeah. Little Remington, Zach Heilprin. How's the, yeah. You seen him around the block lately? <laughs> sir Remington? Yes, yeah, Sir Remington. Really you seen that little, that little, dude's a that good really boy. I legit thought that might have been his name. Um, no, I added but, the sir uh, to it. His name's Remy. Yeah, I know. It, it's what makes it so much better, though, too. Sir Remington, who's uh, a good little boy. Yeah, he's been getting carried around. Uh, carried around quite a bit. Yeah, he's royalty. That's why he threw the sir on. Sir Remington. Yep. So I'm not going to, I'm not going to, you know, I'm not going to judge him. Uh, Dane and Hank always enjoy barking their lungs out at him, so that's good. Does he bark back? He doesn't. Yeah. He knows. He knows what's going on at the corner of that that street. Yeah, you know, that's, where the, who runs it. that's where the big dogs are. Right Speaking there. of dogs, 
who are some of the other dogs on the defense? It's <laughs> <laughs> uh, a good question. You know who's a dog? Kamoe Latu. He, he uh, had to pull up several times, but he didn't pull up quick enough a couple times and uh, just drilled guys yesterday. Uh, they're just in helmets. They're not shoulder pads. There's, there's no pads whatsoever. And, he, uh, and then as soon as you would hit him, he'd throw his hands up like he didn't do anything. Um, so, yeah, Kamoe Latu, a dog. Zach, you got that dog in you. That's why you're going down again to UW Platteville, baby. Hey, you, if you want afterwards, go get yourself a Long Island at uh, Uno's Pizzeria. They're they're strong. <laughs> they'll, they'll definitely bring that dog out in you. Zach, we love you, man. And hey, excited to announce. I know you tweeted it out. We talked about it a little earlier. Uh, home field apparel. Uh, if you want uh, the coolest swag ever from Badgers to any other college team, just about homefieldapparel.com. And they're teamed up with the camp, obviously. 15% off the first order, Camp 23. Uh, there might be something nice coming for you, Zachy Pooh. Ooh, looking forward to that. I, the, the Wisconsin gear that they have is amazing. I can't wear it, but I, it's, uh, it's, oh, they yeah. got some amazing Wisconsin gear. But there's so much more than just Wisconsin. we got 150 colleges. Yes, nuts. I'm, I'm, I'm kind of hoping for something from Tulane, but I don't I don't know if I'm going to end up getting that. That's so, exactly what RJ uh, was saying. That's what RJ said, too. I'm going to channel my inner, like, uh, like 50, 60-year-old dad. I'm not going to wear, like, the Nike Monarchs or the New Balances or the Acid Wash Levi jeans. I'm just going to get that old-school Rose Bowl shirt because it is badass. Yep. It is badass. It is, for sure. Zach, you're a badass. We love you, man. Uh, Zach Halpern on Twitter. Follow along. Azone Madison his reports. Also, the camp video as well. Zach, I want to see you. Uh, I want to see you in action. Okay, get yourself in one of the shots. All right. A little self shot. All right, gonna do it. Yeah, and say hi. Wave bye to Dodgeville for me as you leave it. All right. All right. Sounds Let's good. See you, buddy. There is Zach Halpern. Uh, yes, Led Zeppelin. All my love. There's a few things uh, that I truly, deep down, love in life. My family, my wife, you know, a nice sunset, long walks on the beach, some boobs, and our guy, Rob Reichel. God, I love you, Robbie. Good morning, Rob. Good morning, Evo. You probably should have put your wife first, though, on those things that you listed that you love. I hope she's not listening. Uh, I think she, well, I, when I said family, I was including that, you know, right? So, but All she, right. she knows, she knows. But, yeah, thanks, Rob. Don't put me in the doghouse. All right, let me rephrase that. Uh, my wife, my family... The Sunset and Rob Reichel. Good morning, Robbie. There we go. Is that better? Well, you know, you're, you're a handsome man. You're fit. You're, you're in the prime of your life, and, and, and you're a catch for any woman, Evo. But even after saying all that, I, I will say this. You, you all kicked your covered. You married well. Oh, yeah. Well, I know that, Rob. That's, that's a no-brainer right there. Rob. Well, and, 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 and Evo, if we put you up for, you know, for auction, if we ever had one of those bachelor deals, <laughs> you know, I, 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 I'd imagine the bidding would, would get insane. You know, women would be tripping over over themselves to up the bid every every time, you know. Can we can, can we go from nine hundred to a thousand? Do I hear fifteen hundred? Do I hear two grand? I you know, and I, and I know those numbers would go crazy on you, Evo. Much like Rowdy, of course. Oh yes, um, you're too kind. But, you're too uh, kind. You know, but 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 your wife would probably even get a higher dollar figure in one of those auctions. Rob, you're, you're, Rob, you're too kind. I'm blushing. I'm beaming. I'm, I'm ear to ear, Rob. Hey, Rob, I was also beaming and grinning. <laughs> You're so funny. Uh, grinning ear to ear. I was watching a video on Twitter about the, uh, the Packers, and it was in the locker room. And there was Jair Alexander talking about Strap City is what they're going to call themselves. And who did I see in the background of that video wondering, like, 
what the hell is this guy talking about? Oh, that's what I perceived it as. Was Rob Reichel. Rob, when you're standing there listening to Jair Alexander, hey, man, we ain't going to call it Strap City, man. We just got to get stoked back. We Strap City, man. What is going through Rob Reichel's head with that's all going down? Well, you know, I like Jair a lot. He's, you know, he's, 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 a, he's, a, he's a good kid in a good interview. What he started to do in the last year or so, guys, is he, he does his interviews in the middle of the locker room, so people almost kind of make a circle around him. So that, that's largely probably why you saw, you know, my ugly mug lurking in the background of, uh, of Jair that day. Um, no, you, you know, he's funny. You know, I was having this talk with somebody the other day, he, you know, he, he, and you know this well because you have to put sound bites on the air for your terrific listeners and all that kind of kind of stuff he, he's tough to get you know to to elaborate on things he, he's not one of these guys that'll talk for 45 60 90 seconds on an answer but a lot of times what he does say in in just nine words is, is actually semi-interesting and and kind of powerful at, at, at times and it was kind of funny he he did come up with that the other day that 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 strap city which he which he'd like to call the the cornerback group and um you know we'll we'll, we'll see how it all plays out Stokes has to come back from from his injury and Rasul Douglas probably has to return to his 2021 form and not play at the same level he did at 22. And, and Douglas was okay in 22, but he, he wasn't what he was in 2021 when, you know, he was probably one of the greatest finds in the history of the organization when they, when they plucked him off, uh, you know, Arizona's practice squad a month before they, they went out and played Arizona. And, um, you know, he ended up having the key interception in that game to lock that one down. But, but the, but the trio potentially of, Alexander, uh, Douglas, and, you know, Stokes, if he can make it back from, from that Liz Frank injury, does have a chance to be, you know, kind of a lockdown group. And, you know, as we've talked about it a lot on the show, Evo. The major question in the secondary is, is the safeties. But Jair's probably right that the, the group of corners has a chance to be absolutely outstanding. And, um, you know, we'll, we'll, We'll just see how that plays out here through the rest of camp if Stokes can make it back or not by the opener. Yeah, I did see Jair get burned uh, by a Romeo Dobbs touchdown uh, the other day in practice. Uh, outside of that, Rob, uh, every single day when Matt LaFleur with these competition periods, the offense has yet to win a day. I do believe they're 0-5 against the defense. What the, What's going on with the offense out there, Robbie? Don't make too much out of anything. Right? Oh, that, come that, on, that Rob. I'm going to make a mountain out of a molehill. What's going on? Does Jordan Love stink? Well, we're, <laughs> we're going to find out when we get September 10th. Right? Uh, here's, what I, here's what I'll say on, on that, Evo. Remember, you know, they didn't do these a, a year ago, but the defense dominated the offense all through the preseason, uh, you know, all through training camp last year. And when we got to the regular season, what did the defense look like, right? It it, it 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 didn't look particularly unique or special. It was it was it was a defense that let everybody down and uh, had a lot of people calling for Joe Barry's head and 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 rightfully. Uh, now now the offense certainly does have to pick it up. And and Jordan Love, I think it was the third practice. Evo, they start to blend together. You know, had, had a really good day, and the offense was pretty good that day. And I think they went two and one in some of those competition periods, but they still they still made them do the up downs and had the punishment afterwards and and things to that effect. And a couple of those guys said maybe we have to go three and zero to to win these periods. Um, you know, 
we, we again, we've talked about this at length on, on the show all through the off season. We're not going to get a lot of crystal clear answers till they go to Chicago on on September 10th to Atlanta on the on 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 the 17th and till they you know till they have their home opener on the on the 24th and you know even Mark Murphy said this at the shareholders meeting he, they might not know until eight games into the season yeah. you know even close what they have there on, on Jordan Love again you know what we we live in a world today where everybody wants to overanalyze every single snap and every single rep and every single drill you know because of Twitter and live video and and, and that and. And, and now, now keep in mind, you know, it, it, it's so much more than just Jordan Love, right? It's young wide receivers all over the field. It's a rookie tight end. Their top two tight ends are, are both going to be rookies the, the way it looks. It's shuffling on the offensive line. You know, so there, there's a lot of moving parts. And I, I've said it on the show before. You know, I, I still think Jordan Love's going to be uh, more than serviceable this season. But, it, but it's probably going to take, you know, six to eight weeks, Evo. And I, and I still say the offense you know, has a chance to be pretty good in the second half of the season, but the first half of the year could be a lot of growing pains. Yeah, I heard uh, Jordan Love say, like, inconsistencies, not on the same page, uh, frustrating. I, I Are we going to be hearing yeah. that a lot to start the actual season well, then? I, I guess kind of alluded to it. But. Yeah, and Evo, and I, and I hate to interrupt you there. Sorry, no, please. You know, but, you know that, that is what training camp is, right? It, it's working out these kinks. It's, you know, it's, it, it, it's these young guys who – I mean, have, have, you know, in, in some cases, Evo have zero reps as an NFL player, you know, or, or, or even some of these guys you're going to count on immensely, like Watson and Dobbs to lead the wide receiver group, you know, they, you know, a combined about 80 catches last year. And then, and, and that's your one and two. I mean, there, there really just is so little experience on that offense. And it's, you know, it's, it's going to take two months of, of game action and these guys getting 60, 70, 80 snaps in a, in a particular week, I think Evo to, to eventually iron out all this stuff. It, it, it probably won't. I mean, let's be honest. It probably won't look real pretty in week one. Mm-hmm. And I, and, and Evo, we said this last year with Aaron Rodgers. A lot of this stuff is very predictable. You know, when Rodgers skipped the entire off season in, in 2022, for the most part, I guess he showed up, for a couple of mandatory days in June, but other than that, anything voluntary, you know, he didn't take part of. And, and we were having the conversation a year ago that things didn't look particularly good with him and his young wide receivers. Um, you know, as training camp unfolded, we said there's going to be some rocky things early on. And, and what happened, right? They, they went to Minnesota and died, what they lose 23, seven that day, I think there's something to that effect. I mean, the offense was, 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 was dreadful that day. Um, is, is, is it going to be that bad when they go to Chicago? I, I doubt it because Chicago's defense is, is probably a bottom eight defense in the, in the league. Uh, the, the, the season that, that, that we're going to play out here in 2023, but it, but it's not going to look pretty. And it certainly won't look as good, you know, in week one, Evo, as it's going to look in week, you know, six or week 11 or week 14. You remember last year, some of these young guys grew up and, eventually got some chemistry with Rodgers. The offense looked dramatically different down the stretch until that Detroit game, you know, where, where they, where they, where everybody kind of stunk it up, including the quarterback himself. And it's a big reason he's a New York jet today is, is the fact he, you know, dropped the ball again in the biggest game of the year. But, um, you know, Evo, it, it, it's going to take some time for them to, to grow up here with Jordan Love. And I would, you know, and I would just tell fans right now, and, and I said it through the offseason that they're probably just going to have to practice patience, which nobody does no. in 2023. No. Nobody wants to do it, but they're going to have to practice patience 
with this football team the first month or two of the season. And the most patience I practice, Rob, is listening to Patience by Guns N' Roses, okay? That's the closest I get to patience nowadays. <laughs> hey, so, Rob, uh, well, how about this? Uh, we'll see what happens. I mean, I, yeah, right. I got a question for Rob real quick. Yeah, so yeah. now that they're, they're into training camp, Hi, how we how we doing? <laughs> how are you, buddy? <laughs> see, I'm actually I'm curious with this. Now that we're into training camp, you know, you're starting to get your first look at Jordan Love running the show, being the guys. He's now had Romeo Dobbs and Christian Watson for a couple of years, going on year two. Does he look better, the same, or? Do I say worse than when you were only seeing bits and pieces Ooh. of him getting, you know, the the second snap, uh, the secondary snaps here because he wasn't a starter? Yeah, really, I mean, really good question, Rowdy. I, I I would say he looks slightly better, and, and and I and I do think he has more chemistry, uh, you know, with with these young guys than than Rogers did probably at, at this time last year. Now, and and remember, some of these young guys were taking second team reps, you know, for for a part of the year. Uh, last year with love. So, he, you know, he does have a chance there to develop some chemistry. And, and, and again, I, I think these are relationships that, you know, a, a year from now, if love turns out to be the guy long-term, we, you know, and, 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 and he proves that, that, that he should be the face of the franchise, the franchise quarterback moving forward. You know, we're, we're going to be talking, you know, rowdy about, you know, the, these relationships and how they were built from 2022 on and how they blossomed and, 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 and how a guy like Watson has a chance probably to turn into an all-pro and, and Dobbs has a chance to be a, a 75-catch guy and, and just a really, really solid number two. But, but I would say top to bottom, you know, and, and, and every day has, has its ups and downs. But Jordan Love has probably shown a little bit more this summer than, than he has in, in prior ones, Rowdy. At the same point in time, you know, there were always and, – and, and, and granted, he's following two Hall of Famers, right? So – so setting the bar and the expectations to that level is, is silly. It's foolish, you know, but, but on a given practice, Rogers, Favre, those guys, you know, they had, they had two, three, four, wow, wow plays, fast splash plays that left the crowd going wild on a, on a given Tuesday morning over there, you know, on, on Oneida street. Love doesn't make as many of those, which, which again, isn't the worst thing in the world. You, you don't need, you know, four splash plays a week to go win football games. You know, I, the way they're going to win football games this year, I, I still say, is playing great defense, running the football, you play action passing, and having Jordan Love run the offense that Matt LaFleur wants and doing it consistently. He's not going to have to make, you know, a throw like Rodgers did in the Super Bowl between two people into the belly of Greg Jennings you know, into double coverage to, to, to beat the Pittsburgh Steelers. He's not going to, you know, have, have, have to have a breath bar of laser into triple coverage that somehow Freeman goes up and makes the catch or something like that. You know, the offense is going to be run the way Matt LaFleur has wanted the offense to be run since 2019. The plays that he sends in and that he calls are probably going to be the plays that are run at the line of scrimmage. And now it's just up to Jordan Love to execute those. You know, you may, you may not see Jordan Love on, on all the highlight reel shows when, when, a, when a, a, a Sunday night rolls around, guys. But he might have a stat line that, that's really solid, right? 17 to 25 for 202 and two touchdowns or something like that. He might not blow your mind, but I think he's going to be good enough and serviceable enough and the way they're going to run the ball with that offensive line and those two running backs that I think they can still win a decent amount of football games with that guy. Hi, Rob. You were talking about – good question by Nelly, by the way. We were talking about patience, right? Are people going to have patience for – 
uh, Anders Carlson, what is he hitting, 60% of his field goals right now in training camp? What the hell is going on with that guy? And a two-for-seven last Saturday, which which, which absolutely has to scare everybody in the world, right? You know, 28.5% on, uh, you know, last week. Yeah, it's going to be one of the fascinating parts of training camp. My guess is yes, Evil, they will have patience with him, and and I guess I would still bet on him being the kicker when the when the when the season opens up. I mean, you you have to remember, you know, for for all practical purposes, they have given personnel side of things with special teams. They've almost handed them over to Rich Passaccia, and and Passaccia loves this guy. You know, we all know the story. He he, he you know he, he's had he had the brother Daniel. At, at, at times, um, certainly with the Raiders, and you know, and Daniels turned into one of the better kickers in the league. Does, does that mean Andres can do the same thing? Absolutely not. You know, but but Daniel had a rough start too in Minnesota, and he, and he only lasted what was it six, seven, eight games with the Vikings before they moved on from him four or five years ago. And you know, but in the last three years, Daniel Carlson's been one of the best kickers in the league. You know, he's on the he's on the uh, positive side of plus ninety percent, and. But but can uh, can Anders do it? No, there, there's there's nothing in his track record, Evo, that that suggests that he he can do it. You know, for those out there that don't know, you know, he he was terrific at Auburn inside of of forty yards. He was plus ninety percent. I think he was ninety one, and and outside of forty yards, he was a fifty percent kicker, which which absolutely has to terrify the heck out of you, because from this standpoint, Evo, you know. They're going to be in a lot of close games. They're going to be in games where it's nineteen seventeen in the fourth quarter, and Love gets the ball and he drives them to the thirty yard line. And and if you've got a kicker who's fifty fifty from forty seven yards, I mean, there, there's a lot that hangs in the balance. Then Evo, I mean, a win with a young quarterback and an incredibly young roster can do wonders for confidence, can do wonders for attitude inside that locker room. And the kicker goes out there and shakes one, Evo, and they go home 19-17 losers to whoever it turns out to be. Let's say it's Atlanta in week two. It just changes the entire dynamic and everything inside that culture. Mason Crosby, for the most part, was a lock on a kick like that or certainly was very, very good on kicks like that. Um, Anders Carlson has no experience at that, and, and, and he hasn't shown enough uh, you know, on the practice field to give you confidence. But I do think, you know, if, if I had to make a prediction, Evo, to answer your question after all that, I think he's the, ki- I think he's the kicker in week one uh, just because Masaccia loves him and they've handed so much of the special teams personnel side of things over to Masaccia that I, that I think unless Carlson, let's just say, is two for eight or something like that in preseason games, Evo, he will be the kicker when we get to the regular season. Robbie, like Masaccia loves Carlson, I love you. But here's the thing. Carlson's hitting sixty percent. You're always hitting one hundred percent on the show. Why? Because you the man, Robbie. You the man. Well, we we we, we do our best. I mean, I'll, I'll just quick finish up a thought on that. Yeah. If that was my football team, I would have already called Mason Crosby. It's <laughs> obviously not. I'm predicting what these guys are gonna do, and and my guess is that that, that this is one of those years. You know, where, where they're trying to get their books in order. They went cheap at safety. They've gone cheap at a couple other spots. They're going to go cheap at kicker and, and, and try to win games this way. Rob, man, we'll continue to follow along. Forbes.com, Conley Media, Rob Reichel on Twitter. Much love, Robbie. Oh, by the way, I know you're, I know you're busy at Packers camp. 
But Badgers, those wide receivers looking pretty good down at UW Platteville. Just saying, Rob. Just saying. Oh, it, it 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 should be a fun offense with that new with that new offensive coordinator, and you know, pro- probably more weapons in the past game than they've had in in decades, right? Mm. So I, I I I I can't wait. Your your guy Zach does a terrific job from you know he from, loves your work uh, too from Platteville and, and covering the heck out of that football team. So yeah, I know if 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 he's telling us all the wideouts are tearing it up, I I'll believe anything Zach tells me, Rob. Keep on kicking ass, man. We love you. Have fun up there. All right, boys. You have a great day. See you, buddy. There he is, Rob Reichel.